All right. So I don't I don't know quite how to say it, but what the doctor said the rash is pretty contagious. So what's what's the name that's sewn onto the label of your shirt right now? On um, like on the back? Yeah. Yeah, on the back of it. Well, I'm not going to be able to see it. Okay, let me look real quick. All right. It, well, it says bones, but that's how mm. I've been labeling my shirts too. Okay. Well, luckily there's a sizable um, difference in the yeah. width. In, not in the length of our shirts, but definitely in the width. <laughs> well, I don't know because we're – yours is looking like – Fairly tight in the chest. It's because I have all these buckles. Uh, Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, hold on. I need to undo one of these notches, actually, so I can breathe a little bit. All right. Oh, my God. Okay. What? What you want? Well, hey, uh, just wondering if you guys maybe had some some musicals. Oh. uh, Musicals. If you think about it. Classify a musical. Song and dance uh, uh, breaks into singing throughout the film. You know, are you a big D. Snyder guy? Yeah, never heard of him. Oh or, well, or, or her? No offense, no offense. Yeah, I mean, Cheap Trick. You you don't know that band? No, I'm. I mean, I I usually stick to the uh, the opera or the symphonies. Uh, you know, I teach at the local college. What about Twisted Sister? That's where. Um, that's where oh, yeah. D. Snyder was in. Yeah, bold. But do you guys like Cheap Trick? Oh, okay. I'm on a separate thing now. Uh, there's uh, singing and dancing and uh, a little flick called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles right there. You see that? It's over in the T section. I think my kids watched that that last week. Oh yeah. well, if you like song and dance, I mean, mm. what? What do you think of when you think about Vegas is the show tunes. You know. And we've got a whole wall of Army of the Dead, mm-hmm. dude. I talked to our film uh, instructor the other day, and I don't think you guys are qualified to work here. Film instructor? Yeah. How do you get that job? Film. Well, you got to have a degree. Are they hiring? Guys. I haven't seen you two around campus, so obviously you're not in college. I'm qualified to work at a video store. I used to work at the gas station. Mm-hmm. Look I how meant, tidy we keep this place, man. We have like twenty titles. Yeah, everything's super your, clear. I met your knowledge of the cinematic world. We have matching uniforms. Yeah. Oh my god. Running a running a cash register and being able to wear a uniform qualifies you for some positions. Yes. Yeah, like working at this video store, mm-hmm. dude. I don't know why you're coming in here with this attitude, to be honest. I just asked a simple question, and I'm getting tons of titles that aren't even related musically. All right, well, hey, how about... Kyle, what's that movie that's been playing for like four months on that TV in the back? Oh, yeah, that's... Well, I don't think that's what this guy's into, but it's Phantom of the Paradise. It's like Phantom of the Opera. Oh, yes, yes. You guys but, do know stuff. Look at that. I don't it, think this jack off wants to watch something whoa. like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
All right. Well, if you like, uh, I don't know, like big beefy dudes singing songs, I can go back there and pop it out of the VCR. Yeah. Sir, I don't think you should really be using that term. How much of a pervert would you say you are? Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, guys. Nope. The, the language here. There's a certain sense of um, hey, buddy, pervert respect necessary for this. Answer the pervert question, buddy. The last time I walked by the window, you guys were throwing butterfly knives at cardboard cutouts of Army of the Dead. We, we've wiped up most of the blood yeah. from that incident. That was a promotion that we did um, along with a local radio station. Mm-hmm. Look, if you guys have the film, I'll take it and I'll rent it. Like, I'll help you out. Or give you, now we have, you. we have changed our checkout policy. We will need a drop of your blood. Yeah. Yeah. You got to sign the contract in blood to get Mo- the tape. Money means nothing to us. Yeah. Here, here, here's the butterfly knife. <laughs> oh, it boomeranged back. <laughs> oh, shit. I guess I'm signing the contract too, buddy. All right, put put your bloody thumbprint right there. Here, here you go. Okay. Look out for and- the rash, though. And here's the movie. Yeah, you're going to get a rash, by the way. It's really contagious. Full full of service here. Anyway, here's your movie. Thanks. Yeah. Well, you can go now, please. Is this a five-day or on, a two-day rental? On this day's episode... <laughs> on this week's episode of Five Day Rentals, we watch Phantom of the Paradise. Playing with heart dangerous game So don't play with mine I'll put you to shame Alright guys Phantom of the Paradise 1974 Brian De Palma uh, any first thoughts? Feel free to sing them if you want. I'm just kidding. You don't have to sing. I was going to say, you got all night? Because shit. Let the pipes go. Kyle, you're the uh, the resident De Palma fan here. I am. I was yes. going to say that Kyle Karan Howard is our five-day rentals Brian De Palma expert. Yeah, this was a bit of a selfish pick, just... You know, I've watched quite a good chunk of his filmography, and this one was missing. So, uh, I think it has a lot of De Palma stuff. It's got a split screen. It's got obvious Hitchcock references. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if I'm giving my first thoughts, yeah. I mean, I I thought this movie was weird. (laughs) It definitely feels like a precursor to Rocky Horror. And it had a lot of just bizarre... I mean, it almost goes into, like, cartoon territory for a little while. Those were my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah. I believe when it when it gets almost like Willy Wonka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will I say it's definitely a rock opera. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did notice that both... 
Dan and I squeezed in a bonus De Palma. I did Bonfire of the Vanities. Dan did Scarface. <laughs> Guys, I re- I did Scarface. And let me tell you, I fucking loved every second of it. <laughs> I, s- I was like mesmerized. I was like, God damn. Because I had like a shitty VHS version of that film. And so... And I probably haven't rewatched it since. So I could see all this stuff that I've never, like, I'd never seen before. Like the Budweiser cans when he goes to New York. Like, I never knew those. I just seen there were cans up there. Mm-hmm. So I loved it. it you was could great. really take in the chainsaw scene in high def. Yeah, you know, like, I'm like, we should do Scarface. Bones, any De Palma rewatch? Did you. Uh, check out Raising Kane for the 18th time. I've only seen Raising Kane the once. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I've seen it 18 times. Yeah. I'm lame. The, the De Palma I've seen the most is definitely his Mission Impossible, which is still, still my still my favorite of the series, I think, because it is just the right level of his weirdness right. on a blockbuster movie. I mean, that... To me, honestly, that's the most disappointing thing about Bonfire of the Vanities was it felt like De Palma being like, I don't have to make a De Palma film. Right. And it just lost all of its character in the, you know, in the process. That was a very troublesome movie and situation is my understanding, right? Yeah. I kind of want to read that book now. (laughs) Yeah. I think TCM is sponsoring a podcast, like a mini series that's going into that. Interesting. It's going into like the novel, the breakdown, all the issues with the movie. Mm-hmm. So, didn't he um, fight fight with the studio a lot? Well, they all did because it was like a Bruce Willis thing, where well, he was I, at like the peak of his power and all this shit, right? I mean, I I think De Palma though, like traditionally, just fights with the studio on everything, right? Like if they tell him to cut. I think it was like on body body double he had put all this like graphic violence in there the censors basically said you got to take all that out and then for the final cut he just put it all back in <laughs> to the movie so he just basically did his director's cut and released it without it being like the MPA approved version or something I guess my my thoughts are how how did this even get pitched? I mean, did he walk in like, hey, Brian De Palma here, uh, Phil Spector, what an asshole, right? You like opera? I've never heard him talk. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this was like, I think this was his movie before Carrie, and Carrie was what kind of got him into the studio system. So I think this was still somewhat independent. You know, so you'd figure this one would come after the big stuff, but hmm. if you're, you if know. you're, yeah, but because the movie doesn't look cheap, no, but also doesn't look like it required studio intervention at all. Like it does, mm-hmm. you can definitely tell the, oh, we're going to use this set a ton, and we're going to use this set a ton, and and fold over itself, you know, right. And 
it being a rock opera or you know you could see this easily being a stage production which i'm shocked it is hasn't been it might have been i don't know i didn't look into that but mm. i'd go okay. fucking see this we got a budget of 1.3 million here estimate so that was probably like cuz i think he had made That's pretty good yeah like a few smaller films and this is probably his one where he got like a big sized independent backer and then he got picked up by the studios after. And does the Paul Williams thing help? The fact that he's got him on board? Yeah. I mean, it's got to, I I think he had written, you know, pretty big songs at this point. So I'm sure if you're coming in with like, this is the package deal you get for 1.3 mil. Right. Not a bad, you know, shot to take yeah i'm sure if you got billy eilish connected to a movie you know what i mean you'd get 10 million dollars now to make a movie did you go back and check out her catalog yet dan that's a negative guys wow this week's sponsor for five days reynolds is billy eilish's new album yeah I don't know the name of it. <laughs> Does she have one? Probably. Yeah. Uh, check out my eyelashes. That's <laughs> uh, pretty good for coming up that quick. Yeah, right off the dome, dudes. All right. So let's get into Phantom. <laughs> uh, I wrote down this whole opening monologue, so I will now read it for you. Yes. This That's was, uh, Rod Sterling, right? Yeah. 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 Serling? Sir, Serling. Yes, Serling. So this is Rod Sterling Silver's opening. Yeah. Swan. He has no other name. His past is a mystery, but his work is already legend. He wrote and produced his first gold record at 14. In the years since then... He has won so many others that he once tried to deposit them at Fort Knox. He brought blues to Britain. He brought Liverpool to America. He brought folk and rock together. His band, the Juicy Fruits, single-handedly gave birth to the nostalgia wave of the 70s. Now he's looking for the new sound of the spheres to inaugurate his own Xanadu, his own Disneyland, the paradise, the ultimate rock palace. This film is the story of that search, of that sound, of the man who made it, the girl who sang it, and the monster who stole it. Yeah. And then we basically cut over to the opening credits and the Juicy Fruits performing Goodbye, Eddie, Goodbye. (laughs) They're kind of a, like, 50s group. Mm-hmm. Doing a kind of grease thing, I guess. A nostalgia act. No it's... butter, no butterfly knives though, so that was pretty disappointing. No, well, they, we don't. We don't. They would that, have butterfly but... combs, wouldn't Maybe. they? Uh, or I, no, it would be a switchblade comb. Yeah, yeah. I think you had the comb if you were like a a square loser, and you had the actual knife if you were a. A tough guy that rolled his cigarettes up in his sleeve. Right. Or if your or if your parents actually cared about you, maybe. Then you would get the switchblade. Comb. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
I thought they gave you a switchblade and they were like, it's crazy out there. No, that those are for punker kids, dude. Gotcha. This uh, is a, a great opening song. Yeah. I think. I'll, I think this might be my second favorite song from the film. Yeah. I told I told these two before we started recording that I listened to this soundtrack. I've probably listened to it about 10 times through since first watching the movie. So, Well, where would you rank this one? This song? Of, yeah, in terms of favorites. Probably three or four. Okay. Yeah. Damn. And that's saying a lot. I just want to know if Rad is still number one. For best oh, song? Yeah. yeah. Let's get to the end of the show. Okay. Shit. Uh, all right. So they're kind of performing this song. As they're going through it, uh, we kind of zoom up to the to the top floor of this thing where a guy is watching and he's got somebody talking to him. The guy speaking to the main guy is kind of like a enforcer character. And he's running through this whole kind of scenario of, you know, we built this girl up. She's decided to go do her own thing. And they just want to, like, crush her career. And Swan, who is the mystery man, is just like, consider it done. No problem. Uh, We also get a little clip of a guy basically pasting his name over the Juicy Fruits. So he's getting ready to play... I guess the setup between bands is like what they've brought him in to play music for. Yeah. During the intermission. Yeah. Yeah. Because they even so, say like now a 20 minute intermission. Right. Which right. throws you off when he starts playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that guy who is playing at the piano is named Winslow Leach. And he basically comes in, sets down at the piano, starts going through his song, which I believe this one's Faust. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's kind of singing away to, it seems like, no one. But up above, Swan is listening, and he kind of decides this this is the music that I need to open my club, The Paradise. Now, presumably, this guy has tons of bands, he owns his own record label, but he is super concerned through this entire film about one club opening. Yep. A club that we then find is, like, not that remarkable. Right. It's, like, it's pretty standard theater. I was going to ask, where are we going? Are we trying to get into this place, or...? Oh, getting into the Paradise opening night, dude? I don't know. I don't know if we're getting in that ticket line. Yeah, that's going to be tough. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So Swan has found the music to open the paradise. Uh, This enforcer guy, he kind of goes back to visit Winslow after he's played his piano music. Uh, The guy asks him if he has any tapes. Uh, If he's got any tapes of his recordings. Uh, He says, no, I don't have any tapes at all, just this sheet music. Uh, It's a cantata that he's writing about Faust. Did did either of you look up exactly what a cantata is? 
I no. think it's something when you like fry a piece of bologna, right? Mm-hmm. Or like a hot dog. Yeah, it's just a hot is that, dog. Is that dude. a frittata? I was just gonna say a place in Mexico. I thought, but cantata. Is that where Luke Skywalker goes <laughs> with Obi Wan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, over to cantata. Yeah. Uh, I think I did look it up. I feel like I've already forgotten it, so maybe I should just move back. I think it's like an opera that is for multiple people or like multiple. Uh, it's like a smaller opera for many different people, basically. Okay. Uh, two to two to three hundred pages, he says. Yeah. So, probably just an opera at that point. Yeah. We believe you, Kron. Uh This enforcer says. Uh, at the very end of it, you know, the Juicy Fruits are going to be performing this song, and this sends Winslow into a, a violent rage. He pins this this punk ass up against the wall. He's like, the Juicy Fruits are never going to bastardize my music. Yeah, those grease balls. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did we break the third wall for the first time in five-day rental history here? Fourth wall? Oh, yeah, fourth wall, sorry. (laughs) Uh, This is not a drawing on a flat piece of paper. You mean with Philbin talking to Swan? Yeah. I don't know if I'd count that as breaking the fourth wall, because he's not talking to the audience, he's talking to Swan. Mm, Because he's kind of looking directly at you. Yeah. Well, I think we on the podcast did, because we're right behind you, the listener, right now, (laughs) staring at you. I can't see this. Well, I'm trying to see what's written on the tag of their shirt. <laughs> they probably have a rash by now. Uh, so now we cut over to one month later. This is a, a little title screen that pops up. Uh, Winslow goes over to Death Records, which is Swan's record label. Uh, he basically says, you know, these guys said they're going to record my stuff. They're super excited about it. The receptionist flips through the Rolodex. He's basically listed as never to be seen. Did you notice some of the other names on the Rolodex, mm-hmm. Dan? Should have been oh. one that stuck out. Oh, a five-day rental uh, fucking all the time here, Alice Cooper, bros. Yeah. Oh, shit. And uh, Dick Clark, I noticed. Yeah. Now, which one of those two do you think's on the never to be seen list? Dick Clark. <laughs> oh, we're, you're meeting with Alice Cooper, dude. Totally. Yeah. Fact, he could have been in this film. He could have been beef. That'd have been awesome. Mm-hmm. Pretty sweet. So, from here, since he's never to be seen, they kind of chase him out of death records. Uh, but he decides to kind of follow a cab that is leaving the record studio. Um, when he gets out of the cab, he finds out that he's at an audition. He kind of starts walking into the building, walking up the stairs. It's just a room full of women, essentially. And guess what? They're all singing Faust to warm up. I will say these are some beautiful ladies of the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's uh, a choice sequence coming up for sure. <laughs> Winslow finds one particular lady that he thinks can just beautifully sing his 
Faust music, does a little duet with her. Um, he also gets the news that Swan is actually opening the paradise with his cantata. And then we kind of see the lady that he's singing with. She gets ushered through the doors. Uh, she kind of starts screaming, immediately runs out. And we realize this is some kind of harem or sex room that Swan has set up. Yeah, it looks like Philbin, the greaser enforcer guy, is like laying on him and testing him out, mm-hmm. I guess. Assholes. Uh, we cut back to the harem and there's some girls that are kind of rolling around talking about how they're being watched. Swan records everything. And there's this one girl that's kind of got her back to us. Uh, she rolls over and we realize it's Winslow. He's snuck into the room in drag. Did you notice his little fucker? Did you notice his line when they're kicking him out? Is oh. he, he asked him, like, do you guys know of a good department store around here? So, yeah, he was immediately clocking, like, oh, I need to find a quick little dress. Yeah. Like a big-ass moo-moo, basically. But. Uh, as he's there in the giant circular bed with these other women, uh, a kind of trap door opens and Swan emerges. <laughs> and all these women are just like, Swan, Swan. They're loving it. Uh, he realizes that Winslow is on the bed and basically says, get this F out of here. Winslow gets thrown out. He's kind of laying bloody on the sidewalk. Two cops come over, ask him what he's doing. Uh, He says, you know, this guy stole my music, and they decide to plant a little bit of smack on him. It's hard not to laugh at him. But it is really funny the way he's selling, like how he's how beat up he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a like, kind of pathetic dude in the yeah. first part of this movie. He's complicated because we see that he's got rage. We see that he's talented. We see that he is like sort of forgiving to an extent, like understanding in, in some cases. So, I just think De Palma gets some really great close-up shots. In this film. Yeah. Uh, so after they plant the smack on him, we cut over to a courtroom where he's basically found guilty in about a four-second scene. Mm-hmm. That's about how long that lasts, right? Uh, he gets sent to Sing Sing, so he's, <laughs> he's in prison now. And this is where he learns that he's been enrolled in an experimental program where they're going to pull out all of his teeth and replace them with metal teeth. It really made my uh, one of my categories come to life, dental horror. <laughs> I'm just going to pick this movie again, dude. Uh, let's see. So Winslow now has all metal teeth. He he tries to get out. Well, first he tries to get out of this by saying he's innocent. Yeah. And they basically say who else here is innocent and everyone raises their hands. That's a good scene. Which sadly we shouldn't laugh about that, right? Because we do know that 
It's true. So probably. many of the people in prison really shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could have just got mixed up in some record producer's yeah. twist, twisted some web of lies. Wrong place at the wrong time, baby. Uh, but it doesn't work out so well for Winslow. He does have these all-metal teeth now. And as he's kind of working his job in Sing Sing, the radio comes on, and it's the Juicy Fruits performing Faust. Son of a bitch. He basically freaks out at this point. Uh, just, I think he kind of like starts storming through the prison. He finds himself inside of a box that gets loaded onto a truck. Yeah, he jumps over the little assembly station, grabs the, the cop and the radio that he's listening to, smashes the radio and then runs down the like assembly line jumps over a bunch of people and there's like big refrigerator sized boxes that are going down like a conveyor system and he jumps in one like a sled mm-hmm. so if it was this easy to get out why didn't he do that in the first place yeah well i think he had like all the elements but he just needed the rage of hearing mm-hmm. the juicy fruits doing his song to like finally push him into putting all the pieces together it is incredibly creative and fun though Mm -hmm. that it cuts like the the whimsy that he jumps in this box slides down the thing and then what it cuts to well i think too it's like if you just think if you take a movie that does not have an opera element like you could make a three-hour movie of a guy getting wrongly convicted and sent to prison and Brian De Palma does all of that with two musical numbers at this point in yeah. about 22 minutes. Uh, there's probably five different films in this movie that mm-hmm. that he touches upon. I mean, this thing moves at the at like the pace of a Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode. Yeah. There is four hours of story packed into an hour and a half. Uh, so he's out of prison now. He storms into Death Records. Uh, he finds basically the the pressing plant where they're putting all the Juicy Fruit records, you know, through the assembly line. Can I ask uh, you guys if you noticed something? Did you notice all the small doors yes. in Swan's office? Mm-hmm. Which I thought was a great touch. And I loved mm-hmm. those shots of him running down that hall. And the camera kind of following him as he's having to, like, duck under the doors. Yeah. Well, I think they they built all of Swan Records to Paul Williams' height. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Because he goes in one room and beats up two guys and then starts chasing them out. mm -hmm. And then he, like, runs through basically plexiglass. Yep. But that, that one of my favorite shots of the movie is that kinetic him ducking underneath, running in, flipping that table, and run, running back out. Mm-hmm. This is uh, where Sam quit the movie, by the way. Oh, wow. It was Francis, creeping her out too much, I think. Frances made it through this whole movie, but I don't think she necessarily enjoyed the experience either. Yeah. <laughs> but she did hang in there for the whole thing. Right. I watched uh, this alone. I'm also getting a divorce. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's well, a joke. Hi, Rage. Uh, 
start just make sure you start sewing your name into the label of all your clothing yeah. so you know what's yours start tagging Actually, stuff we are getting a divorce because of this film <laughs> does she side with swan she loves scarface though <laughs> no so you might have brought her back in yeah it's a little hope in this story <laughs> a little uh, cocaine will pick anybody up so Swan is dead set on destroying this record press and he magically has a cartoon bundle of dynamite with him. I don't know where he picked that up between the prison and here, but he has like a true bundle of dynamite sticks with a fuse coming out of it, which is fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he's going to blow up the, the record press, but he gets his sleeve stuck on a, a switch Like you do. Yeah. And then his head essentially gets crushed in the record press. So this was filmed at a toy company, I guess, where that's a real press. And from what I understand, I guess they put some uh, chocks in there so it wouldn't fully compress all the way. So I guess over time when they were testing it out, it slowly broke these chocks down so the scream that you hear from Finley there is actually a real fucking scream because they had, uh, as soon as they got done, those chocks just fucking were done with. So I guess he came pretty close to getting his head smashed. They put some foam in there as well so it wouldn't, you know, hurt him too bad. So almost actually, I mean... How meta would it have been if they actually disfigured this guy and then he started haunting the set of the movie he was working wow. on? <laughs> that would have been incredible. What a twist. DePalma's like, I got the best film here ever. Yeah, I can't I can't stop. Hey, uh De Palma here. Uh you guys like cocaine? Mm-hmm. How about an Italian that's a Cuban? With the last name of a giant state. Yeah. Sure. Sign here. Sounds like a great idea. Is it written by Oliver Stone? Who the fuck is that? Yeah, take his move. Take his name off the movie. Yeah. <laughs> He's a wannabe me. Uh, we cut over. We see some newspaper headlines. Top. Top of the newspaper, Paradise is set to open with the Juicy Fruits performing Faust. And then a little blurb at the very bottom of the page. Uh, basically, a, a mad man, a mad tunesman bites the bullet. So, he at least made it into the newspaper. And is this because I think he died in the explosion? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, at this point, we're over at the Paradise. Winslow is creeping through the building. This is all kind of first-person shot. Uh, he comes to two doors at this point. One is costumes, and one is costume storage. (laughs) So he immediately takes the left and goes into the costume storage section. He finds basically a black cape and a giant bird helmet. Yeah, it's like the Edward Scissorhands jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. 
almost. And then the helmet that he wears the rest of the movie, it reminded me of Bird Person from Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the way that it, <laughs> well, I the think way that it looks. A, you know, there's in this movie, there is the main bad guy, Swan, the main girl, Phoenix, and then the Phantom has like an owl helmet. Yeah. A lot of a lot of bird obsession for and De Palma the, at this point, and the death song label or death label, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the writers definitely got uh, the bird fever here with uh, avian flu. With this film <laughs> <laughs> is that still a thing, or did we have a vaccine for that? No, say what you will, but we actually had a federal response team that got ahead of that a little bit. Uh, that probably gave you. Uh, it probably made you magnetized anyway. So we probably won't want to take that vaccine, I, dude. I want the magnetism. Yeah, that's oh, what yeah. I said. I'm Bring bummed on, that, right? that I don't have the magnetism. You know how cool Magneto is, dude. Yeah. <laughs> if I could fucking control everything around me like that, close the door. I'd be unstoppable. Done. God, getting our fucking hopes up. Um, yeah, fuck you, lady from Ohio. <laughs> so now we cut over to the Beach Bums, and we see them performing their song, Upholstery. This is my personal favorite from the film. I don't know where you guys would rank this one. Say number two. Bones. I said the other one's about three or four. I would say this is right behind the first song. Oh. I think, like- yeah, I think I like Goodbye Eddie a little bit more. Now, I will say that this one, I think, accomplishes the satire the best. Yeah. Like so- this nailing that nostalgia effort, like how dark the lyrics are while st- sounding like upbeat and everything mm-hmm. is incredible. So, upholstery is based like upholstery is by the Beach Bums, which is just another iteration of the Juicy Fruits, essentially. Yeah. Um, who, who also turn into another band later on. Yeah. But upholstery is like a, a reference to the Beach Boys, and I just I thought it was so funny that they start the song with carburetors, man. That's what life's all about. Yeah. <laughs> Like, what a good line to open if you're just going to make fun of that whole, like, beach persona shit. Yeah. This is a great sequence. Yeah. This- so, at this at this point, we do get the very De Palma, like, split-screen view where we're essentially watching on one half of the screen the beach bums running through their dress rehearsal, I guess. Um, and at the same time, Winslow is putting another bomb into a car that's going to be brought onto the stage. A little touch of evil. Mm -hmm. Kind of. That's what it was based off of. Yes. Guys, I was going to say, man, I'm so good. Good pull bones. Who was that directed by? That was Orson. Good Mm -hmm. job, buddy. Give uh, bones a 0.5 today. He doesn't say anything. (laughs) You guys ever seen that video? No, of what? Of Orson Welles trying to do the wine commercial? <laughs> no, I don't think Action so. Action Orson. He doesn't say anything? Is he I'll send, I'll send it to, Oh, he's fucking hammered. 
He's hammered. <laughs> I was about to and ask that same thing. Yeah, and he's just like he can't keep track of shit. My favorite part of it is they call action, and he's just waiting. <laughs> And they're like, action Orson. And he's like, the other guy's not supposed to say, he doesn't say anything. Like, he needed like a lead. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you haven't seen this. It's fucking great. I'll send it to you. Well, have you, have you watched Touch of Evil? I have started Touch of Evil. That's Charlton Heston playing like a Mexican, right? Or like yeah, a border agent yeah. or something. Yeah. But it's also like, if you compare Orson Welles from Touch of Evil to Orson Welles from Citizen Kane, like Touch of Evil Welles is, I don't know what he is, dude. He's like got to be 380 or something. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. he is massive. Yeah. It looks um, like if, if you stuck him with a butterfly knife, he'd just explode. My real connection to Touch of Evil, um, one of my favorite movies in Bruges, I believe Touch of Evil is on. Brendan Gleeson is watching it on the TV mm-hmm. during, like, he's watching that opening sequence during, like, a one in that movie where he's, like, on the phone with Ray Fiennes, which is, like, a cooler reference. Also, uh, having watched this multiple times, did you, were you guys nerding out and trying to f- see the other camera at all? Oh, during the split screen because there are parts where they cut yeah, into each other's split screen yeah yeah but yeah. there's when they roll it out onto yeah there's oh, i only saw the shadow which is once they're on the front of the stage once the car's out you can see the shadow of the camera mm-hmm. crew and then there's a real subtle thing that they do with the back of the the beach bums like set like the blue waves there's like a cardboard piece that comes up and moves. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that the other cameras behind that at the time. But otherwise, I thought it was pretty skillfully done. Yeah. I think this is probably the best, like just the most skillful like part of the movie altogether. This whole split screen and kind of everything that goes into it. Right. Uh, so we do have this split screen. Like I said, Winslow is planning dynamite in the back of a car now i gotta say when he blew up the record plant if you have one comical piece of dynamite that's one thing you could have found that or bought it but if you have two things of dynamite i think it's safe to say that before playing the piano winslow had some knowledge of bomb making mm-hmm. kind of just, just- He's a smart guy. I mean, he's writing fucking cantatas. Cantatas. Just kind of adds another layer to his character, you know? He's sometimes irrational, a good thinker, knows how to build a bomb. That's the movie I want to see. A De Palma here. Uh, Phil Spector's an asshole, right? Yeah, okay. We all agree. Uh, What about a guy who writes musicals and knows bombs? Sign here. I do like that this one had a timer on it this time. Mm-hmm. He stepped it up a little bit. Yeah, so so Winslow has this bomb in the back of the car. It blows up. Uh, and, I mean, this is, you know, Winslow does get his vengeance. He probably hurts a lot of people, but I guess when you get down to it, we could easily say Winslow is the hero that Gotham deserves, but not the one it needs right now. <laughs> 
He doesn't say anything. Uh, so the bomb does go off. Susan, what oh, Susan? Swan is unfazed. Uh, he basically kind of sneaks through and goes to his secret lair to review the tapes of what just happened. It is a relatively small explosion for the six sticks of dynamite. I will say that the juicy fruits are very like working for Swan because they choose to still fucking work here after they almost got fucking blown up. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's some dedication. I mean, I think they're just kind of his house band though. You know, like they got to roll with the punches no matter what. Mm-hmm. It's like, bro, we got four more. We got two more albums. We're going to get this over with so we can get out this record label shit. Uh, so Swan does Swan does start reviewing all the tape. I think this is an important thing. Like Swan is videotaping his entire life always. Like he has multiple cameras set up through the paradise. They're able to capture everything. And this is something that's going to keep recurring throughout the film. So good to point it out now. Yeah. A De Palma uh, thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Like he loves the there, there is a shot of a security camera that he goes up to. He does the same shit in Scarface. Like he shows the security camera. Uh, <clears throat> while he's reviewing the tape, Swan finds Winslow. Like he can see that, you know, this phantom has planted the bomb. Uh, as Swan is coming out of his office, he meets the phantom face to face. And basically just kind of says, like, yeah, I screwed you over, but now it's time to work together. Yeah. So he's going to bring him in, kind of right the wrongs. I don't know why Winslow just... He's a super trusting guy, dude. Well, he gets tricked, like, I don't know, seven times in this movie by the same person. But I think uh, Swan is also very uh, conniving in this part. Like the fact that he's not really like the tables turn real quick. Like Winslow's like afraid of him. And then he rips on like, Oh my gosh, you look gross. And Winslow like, you know, he kind of, he does like, what's the, uh, mystery. What's that guy's like the art of the pickup sort of thing. Like where you, you insult women until they like you. That whole thing. The guy who wore all those dumbass hats and stuff. Yeah, you know, like, because you have to have something to, like, draw attention to yourself and then mm-hmm. whatever. But the way he, because he kind of beats Winslow down even more. Mm-hmm. And then it, and then I think he's psychologically super manipulative. So I agree with you. And I'm doing a little defense for the movie. Yeah, like, why would you keep going back and trusting this guy? But he's pretty persuasive. Right. I mean, he was going to blow him, I think. You know, it could have happened. Yeah, not, not with those metal teeth, bro. No, not now. But I'm saying before when he dressed up to sneak in and yeah. get on the bed. You know, he could have been part of that orgy. Mm-hmm. He was. I mean, Swan looks like a dude who was with a dude. I mean, maybe we. That was the '60s, bro. Maybe we. This is seven. Yeah. Well. Yeah, but I'm saying that in the 60s he was swinging, in the 70s yeah, he's... probably. 
laying we pipe. Sh- should maybe get into. We've already kind of mentioned that Swan is a very short man. Uh, he also just, I mean, he looks both thirty and seventeen at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I would expand that. <laughs> I would say seventeen to fifty-five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's times where I'm just like, I've seen this guy in a lot of movies, and then I looked him up and I was like, No, I have not. You've uh, heard a lot of songs that he made. Well, yeah. I know that, but I'm like, man, he's been... At, at one moment, I thought he was uh, Harold from Harold and Maude. I was like, is that the kid? And that's when I he looked d- him Yes, up. he does definitely look like... Not, um, definitely not. He wasn't. Bill, what's his name? Yeah. Yeah, I can't... Hater. Yeah. Um, N- Nye. No. The... What was I going to say? Oh, season five of Community. Did either of you get that far? I'm I don't on think so. Three, I think, right now. Jesus. Okay. There's an episode of Community <laughs> where they find they find a bunch of hidden, brand new textbooks, and they're like, "Holy shit! The street value on this is insane!" So it becomes like a drug deal sort of thing, where they're trying to find a buyer and a supplier and all this other shit while they're hiding it, and he is like the guy that verifies it. Like he sneaks in for like a thirty second clip. I think that was the last time I saw Paul Williams. I'm gonna continue to bring community up until you guys finish it. <laughs> well, I think it means Dan a lot is, to me. Dan's the only one actively going through it. That is true. You state true facts on this podcast. Guys. Yeah. Just, I I think I made it into like season two, and wow. I haven't watched much since then. So I might be on four. I don't know. It's been a few weeks though since I kind of vaguely remember you saying dabbed. you were in four or getting close to four because I told you yeah. to just skip it. Dan's going well, back now, now. I have to watch it. No. Dan's going one, two, three, four, no, three, I, two, one, two, one. I have to watch it so I can see him. You in doing the George Lucas and yeah, tell Rachel, yeah. like that guy is from one of the movies that we covered on the podcast. Just to say that, make me feel good that I do a podcast and I'm 36 and I do a podcast. How much effort does she put in pretending to listen to you? Does she have her phone in her hand? Oh, I guess that's a different situation. Because it's an it's a zero. Because I am I am terrible. Like I'll pause a movie and go, "You recognize him? He was in that thing we just watched like six months ago." It seems like, mm. the "Fuck, do you remember this?" She yelled at me. Okay, so we started Mar of Easttown, mm-hmm. and I think we just finished episode five. All right. On. So good in the episode, it's a good episode. It's pretty tense. Um, you should just stop watching. I, I know. Stop I know. There. You guys told me stop that. There. Yeah. Um. But at the end of episode one, when they reveal the girl's body in the creek, I was like, the oh, she, the creek, yeah. Um, I was like, oh, she's in the same position as when we first met her when she's laying on the bed. I was like, that's a good, good setup. And Sam was like, how the fuck do you remember this shit? Like she got so Details. mad. Yeah. I was like, I was just watching it. Like it just happened 50 minutes ago. Oh, I'll say like, all right, cue this, cue that, cue this. And she's like, how, how do you, I'm like, this is textbook shit. Like, yeah. 
like the security camera when they were like, oh, he didn't set it up yet from Best Buy or blah, blah, blah. I was like, um, yeah, okay, that'll come back. That'll come back. Mm-hmm. That'll come back. Okay. That'll come You're back. Right. No, I'm not, I won't say stuff. No, I, but. Because I mentioned that as well. I was like, mm. so that's yeah, a clue. Real, real Chekhov security camera in that thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so Swan and Winslow, they're working together now. And they're basically at the auditions. They're trying out a lot of people for the Winslow approved version of Faust. Is uh, this before or after they set up his speaking thing? Uh, this is after they yeah, did this. So I, I did skip over that. You sound great. <laughs> they, they got him at a little, uh, a giant room full of synthesizers where he can basically size fucking sweet. Yeah. He can kind of hook into the board and continue to write his cantata. Uh, but at the auditions, they see the girl that Winslow met previously, and her name is Phoenix. Uh, they basically, I don't, I didn't really get this part, but she's like, I'm a singer. And the guy's like, well, we're looking for a screamer. And... <laughs> She starts to walk off, but Winslow is like, no, this is the girl here. Right. Uh, And Swan asks her basically what she would do to be able to sing at the Paradise. And she says, I would do anything. I would give anything. And Swan says, I just want your your voice. Uh, So I have here, we cut over to Swan at his synths or at the synth setup so maybe i just had that part out of order uh swans at the control board this is where he starts like up he's like i'm gonna apply some filters now and mm-hmm. he kind of like starts moving shit around uh i'm gonna apply some dolbies which i thought that part was really funny uh and then all of a sudden winslow sounds human again He's got a voice. Uh, Swan unplugs him from the board, and Winslow demands that Phoenix be the person that sings the song. Winslow agrees to rewrite the entire cantata in one week so it'll fit for a woman, like all the vocal range and shit. Okay. Uh, Swan presents Winslow with a... Uh, basically a giant contract at this point. It's like just a massive tome, and it's written in like Old English. Um, Winslow's kind of like, well, I'll go through this. Like, I need to review it. He starts asking a bunch of questions about like, well, what does this clause mean? This thing says anything not included is included. And Swan's just like, hey, man, like, what do you got to lose? Let's just sign the damn contract. Uh, But Swan needs him to sign with a drop of his blood, so he cuts his finger, and Winslow signs. At this point, we kind of get a montage where we're cutting through time. Winslow, there's like a giant candle that's burning down. Winslow is writing the cantata. Candle gets lower, keeps writing. So we... We skipped my favorite song then, which uh, is special to me. Yeah, yeah. 
because that's when he when he asked her like what would you do and she's like you know i'll sing blah 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 that's where we get her singing mm-hmm. that's my favorite song and i love how she dances like a grandma at a wedding <laughs> she does do like just kind of some subtle kicks with her feet yeah and sh- struts around a she's little. got that little flowy top and mm-hmm. she's kind of bouncing and when she's done too she like dances off the stage and there's a funny little thing where she's like oh shit and then comes back out mm-hmm. yeah uh at this point we get over to the scene where you know i guess swan is reconsidering this whole thing having phoenix sing the cantata so we see him basically seated in the middle of a giant gold record desk and he's kind of cutting between performers as he spins around the desk and he's listening to all these different groups doing different styles of music, you know, singing this song, Faust, I guess. Um, So there's kind of like a... The first one is kind of a hippie group. The second one is like an acapella uh, duo of sisters. Um, there's a country singer and then we basically get over to kind of like a glam rock musician. Beef. Who sounds terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I said, is this death metal? <laughs> uh, so this is whenever we hear this glam rock guy, uh, Swan is like, this is the guy, this is who should be performing Faust. Um, and then we're over to kind of like a press conference that that Swan is holding where he's an- announcing, you know, basically who's going to be performing this thing. He and unveils he, his beef. Yeah. So he says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the future beef. We see a coffin open up. Uh, there's a big glam rock guy in there covered in glitter and he hisses at everyone and my question is is mark brolin still alive at this point because he should have played beef that's the lead singer of t-rex r.i.p i don't know i was gonna showing our age here if beef was a play on meatloaf but i don't think meatloaf was around yet well, I think that was a little later in the 70s. I mean, Rocky Horror was 75 and he's in that. Yeah, so this is this is this beats it, right? Maybe this is where he got his whole this, idea, this man. This beat meat. Yeah. This beats meat. Here you heard it here first, folks. Uh the introduction of beef might be a good time to grab a beer or take a piss or beat your meat. Or watch that Orson Welles video I sent you. Sure. I'm going to go piss and watch it right now.
All right, so Swan. Oh, welcome back from break, listeners. Kyle speaking here. This Overnight. is Bones. Hey guys, this is Dan Overnet. Uh, Swan shows up. Oh, what? I was going to say, who's putting on sexy voice now? This episode. Yeah, Dan. Yeah, Dan. Hey, uh, hey uh, De Palma here. Um, so how about a movie that uh, it's about her period? Sign here. That's Did Stephen like- King write it? Of course. Do There's no other writers. <laughs> Who else is writing movies? Are you fucking... Are you fucking pissing me off? I like the bit of Brian De Palma trying to, like, he reads a script and then tries to steal the idea. <laughs> hey, De Palma, like here. His um, do uh, do Raising King. Hey, De Palma, here. Do you like that guy from Third Rock from the Sun? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me where to sign. I'm already sold. Sign here. Hey, De Palma here. Do you want to ruin your childhood vision of a <laughs> sitcom? Hey, do you want to uh, to take away from all the wonderful work that I did in my younger age? Let me do this sitcom, please. I need money. Yeah, I think it's more that, you know, he was doing De Palma films, then he left to do Third Rock. Then he came back for De Palma again. You're you're absolutely right. I'm just saying the order that I watched them really screwed me up. Mm-hmm. Hey, De Palma here. Do you like hairy legs and stockings? Oh, tell me more. It, it dude, is that where Carlito got his voice? So, uh, oh Jesus, and psychologist. I don't even know what I'm doing here. Sign here. It's rock music. I don't even understand it anymore. Who, who, Guys, next man. My next film I'm going to watch is Carlito's Way. I'm going to do it. You need to watch Carlito's Way. But I'm scared to do it because if we get assigned it, then. Oh, man. Oh, man. God forbid you, tell- you have to watch me two times. You're telling me you can't watch Carlito two times? Who plays? Car- Is it Pacino? Yeah. Oh, how do you not even know? Hell yeah. Cause, god damn. Fuck the DS brothers. Those fucking cockroaches. No, right. it's a it's a different thing. It's I gotta like, wa- I gotta watch it. The verges on a lisp, but it's like <laughs> not. When when I was god in the, when I was All in right. the barrio. Let's get through this goddamn movie so I can go start Carlito's way. There was this big angry dog. Hey, De Palma here. Uh, you want to see Al Pacino do one of my movies again? Sign here. Uh, Swan shows up to visit Leech. He's got a suitcase full of pills with him at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, just starts pumping them into into Winslow. <laughs> and he also kind of on the way out steals a whole bunch more of the sheet music. I don't know why Swan can't just record him at this point. He's already got the Dolby's and the filters on there. This is, uh, I know we'll talk a little bit more about like, you know, the influence of this movie. This is really where the black lipstick and the metal teeth. I was like, 
is this where fucking Manson got that look? That that's a good call. I mean, there are also uh, there's another big musical act that got their whole motif from this film, which is Daft Punk. That is oh shit of, that oh yeah one of my notes. Yes. Uh, when I the um, I watched an Edgar Wright panel that he did for this a few mm-hmm. years ago, and Paul Williams was there, and I totally forgot that he's on that Daft Punk record. Like he even mentions that. So random access memory. Yeah, it's a good album. Yeah, Daft Punk said that this was one of their favorite films that they've watched multiple times, and is a huge influence on them. Which yeah, if you compare the two you're like yeah i can see that they just broke up though right yeah they're donezo not that i was a huge fan anyway i mean i i couldn't name a song honestly i heard brian de palma was a big fan though he was gonna i think he pitched the the bio flick hey uh de palma here you guys like robot music you know uh you know daft punk they do the Move it, make it better, that was, that was faster, Kanye. strong. Well, but that's Daft no, Punk. That's Kanye. No, that's Kanye, dude. That's Daft Punk. And go easy on him, dude. He's going through a divorce right now. Come on. That that is Kanye. Oh, he too. It, uh, <laughs> yeah. I re- I, I've been that's another to thing that you go- and Kanye have in I've common. Been, yeah. I've been listening to that gospel album. God damn it! His. I think I'm a Christian now, guys. Shit. Who who's the guy that became a Christian because they listened to the new Kanye record? <laughs> please email us because I'd like to do an interview episode. Please, please actually just drive your car off a cliff. <laughs> Give us your well, address. Make it better, faster, stronger. Make it. God better, won't make faster. you better. I mean, I guess if you think about it, does that mean that, like, visa v? De Palma created Kanye West. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to Butter- go. You heard that take here. Butterfly effect. Yeah, exactly. The, butter- the butterfly knife effect. No shit. Dan Patton that. I mean, all jokes aside, the, da- the dude did Scarface, which influenced That's 80, true. 80% of that genre. <laughs> yeah. Everything hip hop became. It's thanks to Brian De Palma. God damn, I love hip, Scarface. Hip, hip hop rides on the shoulders of Brian De Palma and <laughs> Oliver Stone. Mm-hmm. He calls Michelle Pfeiffer. Get out of the, get out of get out from the TV, white bread. <laughs> you gotta watch Scarface with subtitles. It's hilarious. Uh. Beef cannot sing this music. He says that this was written for a chick. And I'm not doing it in drag. Mm-hmm. Which he kind of does. I mean, yeah. this whole thing is like drag sound, and shit. Sounds like a challenge. I mean. Glam is pretty drag already. Uh, Swan just says, you know, you got to make it your own. And the enforcer guy says nobody listens to the lyrics anyway. So <laughs> just do whatever. Uh, at this point, Swan steals the last piece of the sheet music, and he's kind of been setting this up all along 
but at this point, he tells a couple goons to come in and basically just wall up the door that he's been using to visit Winslow. And this is where we really get to see this 1974 because he calls in some masonry masonry people. (laughs) And they do a fucking horrible job, by the way. Who are you calling in if you got a wall off a door, Dave? Well, we saw the backside of it. Just put a lock on it. You don't give a shit about it. Yeah, that's true. But that's a good union paying job, man. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a union guy. uh, Yeah, I'm doing the masonry at the Paradise, locking in Birdman. It's pretty hey, good, Brian. You know? Brian De Palma here. Uh, you guys know how to lay brick. Sign here. I mean, he's probably got you know eight or ten of these guys already, like putting the stage together, hanging the lights. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like you don't want them just standing around smoking cigarettes. So you got to give them a couple, like a couple of them. No. You build the brick wall. Cron, they're gonna sit around and smoke cigarettes because. Laying four inches of brick takes approximately four hours. They can get it done in two, but they're going to smoke cigarettes for two more hours. So that's four. Then they got to go up from there. I'll be damned if I sit with you on no. this podcast and let you besmirch. <laughs> bad, yeah, bad mouth unions. The dude. union. I'm not. I'm. I'm not bad mouthing unions. I'm just telling you how they work. I'm okay with that. Yes, take your four hours to do your four inches. So yeah. altogether, this job is going to take about eight hours. Now, Dan, you just got back from Mar-a-Lago, right? <laughs> Where you were hanging out, golfing, talking to all your buddies. I don't think uh, how we voted should come up in this podcast. <laughs> did Bezos fly you out there or yeah. did he fly no. you back? Which was he, it? No, he's flying me to space in July. Sweet. That's really why I was telling you I can't make it. Who was uh Oh shit. Well, they were they were also like It's kind of like you went to Mar-a-Lago cuz those photos of you and Epstein got leaked out. Come. He, well, that's because no. you you were laundering money for Epstein, right? I own a laundry business. Uh, I own a laundry business. uh, We We did it. He fucking admitted it. He finally admitted it. (laughs) (laughs) Now the joke. Actually, I'm not going to tell you this because I played into your fucking game. I'll tell you that much. Here's the headline. And you're not going to enjoy that because that's a fucking two hour and 15 minute movie. Here's the headline. The further you dig into the laundry business, the dirtier the laundry gets. New Christian launders dirty money. <laughs> I don't I don't wear red cap, folks. Laundry day in Epstein connection. Scarface fan <laughs> washes dirty money. You really took that world is yours motif to heart, didn't you? You don't care how dirty you got to get to clean to clean those whites. I'm just a guy who is a, uh, you know, just trying to live his American dream. I'm actually Cuban, guys. And I don't want to hear anything about that because Kron has actually been to Cuba. 
I went to research what you've been doing down there. Nope. What were you doing down there, bro? Uh, Winslow wakes up. <laughs> he <laughs> finds out that he's been walled in and lets out a insane scream that everyone in the paradise can hear. Uh, Beef starts getting freaked out about performing some dead guy's music. He also has a giant antler belt on in this scene. Mm-hmm. My uh, note was... Can we wear any of these costumes for our live shows, please? Okay, I'll do I'll do glitter beef. One of you guys can be antler beef. What? I want to be comfortable. So I'm doing infiltrating Winslow. I'm gonna wear the moo moo. <laughs> no. I'm doing full on We gotta be three mask beefs. everything. Three beefs? We, three beefs, yeah. We're already three beefs, bro. I'm calling glitter. One of you can be antlers, and one of you can be... I'll be shower beef. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. It's going to get cold up there. That's fine. That's I, I wear that badge. You yeah, do sleep naked, though. We're, we're exclusively doing winter shows in unheated buildings. It's all right. Uh, David wasn't packing. That's fine. Now we see Winslow. Uh, he's he's not only busted through the brick wall, but also the thin layer of aluminum foil that was behind that brick wall. Yeah. I mean, that mortar's not dry yet. Yeah. So that's not unbelievable, but... Those union guys need to get fired because it was bad. Wow. Anti-union again, huh? I'm not anti-union. I'm just saying we need to use... We need to use 743 instead of 782. That's what we need to use. These piece of shit union guys who wouldn't survive the free market, huh, Dan? No. Just because you're a teamster doesn't mean you have any say in this conversation. I'm pro-union. We're pro-union on five-day rentals. Have you ever driven by a place and seen, like, two union guys sitting out in lawn chairs with, like, a sign besmirching, like... A new building going up or anything? No. Okay. It happens a lot in St. Louis. Like there'll be like union dispute disputes or something. Dispute. So disputes. <laughs> um, das boot. Yeah, like two years ago when my gym was being renovated, like I guess they didn't go with like union electricians or some shit. So there was always like four or five guys underneath a little tent in some camping chairs with like a sign. And it's like, are you supposed to make me uncomfortable or make them uncomfortable? I don't know. But yeah, yeah, they will just straight up like protest. And those dudes are getting paid like 40 bucks an hour to be there. I I don't know if they are or not. Yeah, they're part of the union, dude. Dan, you got to quit calling yourself pro-union and besmirching the union. I'm not dispersing the union. I'm saying there's better unions than others. Get $40 to hold up a picket sign. These fucking freeloaders. If you were union during Vietnam and you went to Vietnam, you ought, if you were unemployed, you automatically got $40 a day, dude, to live. Union. That's right, Bean. Union hip. Wait, Unionize what? Unionize that so house. So if you were in a union and then got drafted. No, not drafted. You were just a contractor. If you went to Vietnam? If you went to Vietnam working the ships... Okay. 
So if you got displaced in Vietnam, you went to the union rep in Vietnam and they would give you $30, $40 a day for your daily living expenses. I mean, union. It seems pretty reasonable if you've been displaced like that. Those are a lot of the shipping unions. And hey, I'm a UBI guy, so you'd say people get money for doing nothing. How many listeners did we just lose because we're talking about this? That's right. Listen to the Phantom of the Paradise episode where we dig into <laughs> union politics, u- union labor disputes. Anyway, titties, ass. I don't. What do you want from us? I mean, it. It's sort of relevant because if this is a union production and theaters and shit like this, if that's a union thing, you can't touch shit. Like, I mean, if Winslow Leach was part of the union, yeah, fucking Swan couldn't be fucking him like he did. Mm -hmm. Great point, Dan. Way to bring it back. Thanks, guys. All right, Beef does a good bit of coke and decides to hop in the shower. (laughs) Uh, At this point, Winslow sneaks in. And we get a very psycho setup here where Beef is showering, Winslow's sneaking through the background, rips open the shower curtain, and plunges plungers him right in the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside, Philbin, who's the enforcer, starts checking tickets, and he kind of clocks that Beef is trying to run out of the building. Um... So the Phantom blew up a car full of people earlier, Mm -hmm. but spares this guy. Spares beef? Yeah. Well, he plungered him. That's got to be demoralizing. (laughs) He's leaving, so I mean, it worked. Mm -hmm. True. He knew the beach bums were a lot more resilient than (laughs) beef was. There was no shaking them? They had to be blown up? Okay. Yeah. They're company men. They're union men to Swan. Mm-hmm. They're <laughs> so, stubborn. Yeah, they're going to hang around no matter what. Uh, Philbin, he clocks Beef leaving, and he kind of catches him. Uh, Beef's like, look, I'm getting out of here. Philbin basically just says, like, whatever, fuck it, go sing. And Beef's like, okay, I guess I'll do that. Yeah, because Philbin thinks he's just high. Yeah, and then yeah. you get the, this wasn't drug real. This is real, real. Or I know the difference between drug real and real, real. Because Philbin offers him something. He's like, oh, you're just fucking high. So here's these. And Beef's like, no, that'll just bring me down. Like, he's like, no, nah, I'm not ruining my high. Uh, now we get a performance from the Undeads. Uh, yeah. It's my second is- favorite song. This is, this is the, my this, first favorite. This riff is fucking dope. This is kind of the third iteration of the Juicy Fruits and the Beach Bums. Uh, let's see. What is this song? Somebody Super Like You, I think. Spe- somebody Special Like You? I think it's Somebody Super Like You. You might be right. I'm looking at the Spotify <laughs> list right now. Uh... So yeah, the undead start performing. They're kind of the opening act for Beef. Uh, they hand over the show to Beef. It is super like you. I was mixing it up with special to me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
so so beef starts performing he's got he comes out of a coffin yet again uh he's got like a he's kind of a frankenstein kind of thing where he's been sewn back up eat your heart out alice cooper yeah i think that's my least favorite song Mm -hmm. yeah i think so too I'm going to throw this out there. Like, how badass would this would have been if goddamn beef was Iggy Pop? Like, fuck yeah, dude. That would have been dope. Alex Cooper would have been dope. D. Snyder would have been dope. Oh, shit. Get D in there. I just kept picturing Meatloaf the whole time. So Rob Zombie already has elements of this shit. Mm -hmm. Did you hear about... Rob Zombie doing the monsters. <laughs> I seen that post earlier today. Whatever. Is it, okay. it going to be a hard R? <laughs> I, probably. <laughs> Prepare uh, for uh, next category. Mm, our favorite Rob Zombies. So as Beef's doing his song, the Phantom is setting up a neon lightning bolt, which he basically just kind of launches on a wire over at Beef and shocks the hell out of him. It doesn't even hit him. Kind of lands behind him. Yeah. But the I camera guess, work is fucking amazing here, though, dude. Like, the shock. I think a guy with this much bomb experience knows where to send that lightning bolt <laughs> to maximize damage. Uh, So Beef is dead now. He's all blown up and the audience fucking loves it dude they're going nuts they're screaming we want beef anytime that there is a decapitation or limb cut off these guys are loving it uh but they can't send beef out because he's dead so (laughs) backstage they're like hey phoenix get out there someone killed beef for you so you better Fucking go out there and sing your heart out. Uh, and Phoenix does. She comes out. She sings uh, Faust at this point, right? Yeah. Uh, when When's the crowd over? Yeah, yeah. She kind of, I mean, she definitely slows the show down, but the, the audience still loves it. This is a acceptable alternative to beef in their hearts. We also see at this point that Winslow takes out his revenge on a random spotlight operator, which seemed like a, a weird move. Just some guy <laughs> up there in the rafters working yep. the lights. Some union uh, guy. Yeah, some poor <laughs> union light operator that gets killed. Uh, Can I hashtag a union whenever this episode posts? Yeah. The, Holly, the, the Hollywood Lighting Union. The Masons <laughs> or Masonry. No, no, we don't support the Masons. Brick, no, Bricklayers, right? There would be a Bricklayers union. Hashtag union. Bricklayers, hashtag Teamsters. There's actually a, an office on the way to work. I'll stop by and talk to them. Get some pamphlets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell them two out of three of us really like what they do. Mm-hmm. Fuck you guys. <laughs> I've been saying this whole time I'm pro-union. You guys have never said shit about unions, and all of a sudden tonight you want to gang up against me. Neither of us went off about their smoke breaks. 
Dude, run the tape back after you fucking record this episode. You guys just don't understand unions, all right? Yeah, you're so pro-union, you're anti-union. I am pro-union. I'm in the union. You're like how an atheist knows the Bible better than the average Christian, you know? Like, you've just researched. You kind of have to. Yeah. Because people freak out when you say... When you say that unicorns is mentioned in the Bible 23 times, they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you wish you knew. Why are you eating that shellfish, dude? You eating shrimp for lunch? That's what I thought, bitch. You should be eating beef now that it's been cooked. Nah, man. Biden's fucking taking our beef away. All right. <laughs> After... <laughs> Phoenix's big performance, Swan goes to introduce himself. Uh, Swan again reiterates, hey, all I want is your voice. Uh, Phoenix leaves the dressing room, but she's immediately stormed by new fans of hers, I guess. And she kind of looks back. There's a guy on the stairs holding a rose. He's like, hey, come up this way. Uh so now we have Phoenix and uh, Phoenix and Winslow up on the roof. Uh, down below, paramedics are loading up the body of beef, and the crowd is still chanting, beef, beef, beef. Uh, Winslow tries to convince Phoenix to leave with him. Uh, and she basically says at this point, do you hear that down there? Why should I give all that up? And it's like, they're chanting for beef. They're not chanting for Phoenix. This was one of my... I rewound this probably three or four times because I just... I love this scene. Uh, Phoenix gets into Swan's car. He basically says, take us over to Swanage, which is his giant sex mansion. Um, while she's over there, Winslow sneaks onto the roof of Swanage, so it's got to be close enough that he can just walk over there. I guess it's like a block away from the paradise. Um, he looks through the window. He sees Phoenix and Swan making love, I guess. I mean, it honestly just looks like a lot of clothes-on nipple stuff. Cron, mm-hmm. I'm going to congratulate you right now because you are the first guy in five-day rental history, to give us the reverse tit shot. Mm -hmm. Where she exposes the man's nipple. That's right. I mean, you guys are out there trying to pick up smut walls and and latest tits. I'm out here giving you reverse man nipples. Let's just blow over it. I'm surprised she didn't lick it. Like, I really am. Donate it. Uh, Bones is pissed, bro. Is Bones hetero, is pissed. This is a hetero cast. <laughs> he is, he, you just dropped like a fucking star rating because of this. Mm-hmm. Swan turns on a camera while he's rolling around on the bed with Phoenix. And I guess he has a video monitor because it looks like he's able to see a shot of Winslow watching. Live this, stream, baby. This is finally enough to get Swan to climax. (laughs) He's able to bust with just a little nipple play and a video of his enemy in pain. 
Uh, Winslow pulls out a knife. He stabs himself. Swan basically comes up to the roof and says, If I'm alive, you're alive. You should have fucking read the contract, bro. I will say I do love, like, when movies do the crazy-ass red blood here. Like, the, like it's way off-colored. Yeah. I still, I still love that. It's like tomato sauce blood or something. Yeah. Korean soap opera blood. Yeah. Uh, the contract terminates with Swan... Uh, Winslow actually tries to stab Swan, but it doesn't do anything. Uh, Swan also says that he's under contract as well. So that's a little, you know, foreshadowing for 15 minutes from now. Winslow finds Swan's giant contract vault. Uh, and sees a video of him making a pact with the devil. So it's kind of a shot where Swan is in the bathtub. I don't know why he decided to tape <laughs> his own suicide. De- tapes his own suicide, but it also cuts between camera angles too. So he has a multi-cam setup mm-hmm. in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, you guys don't? We don't take baths, bro. Oh, yeah, okay. no, we're not bath dudes. It's a, I guess it's a weird, like, it's like me and Bones are both union guys. <laughs> God damn it, dude. Bones is the only bath, like me and Dan are both shower guys. You were a goddamn accountant. I want to see your fucking union dues for the year, bro. Bro, I pay dues to the... Send me your union, bro. Or send me your union news. I pay dues to the Tennessee Society of CPAs. That's not that's not a real thing, dude. What is a CPA? You made that up. You're just mad because I actually pay my union dues. I'll show you my fucking goddamn union dues, bro. The only one that's truly not in a union right now is that guy over here laughing. Yeah, this guy. Man, that... Rash has really spread since we started the pod. Yep. That thing's creeping up. Uh, I ain't saying shit. Some crazy lady comes out, and she's trying to talk to Swan. There's a uh, 10-year-old listener like, what the fuck is a union? Oh, wait. Uh, so in the suicide tape, what I love mm-hmm. is that the camera he's talking to is the one over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. So he's having to turn around and talk to it, and then we find out that there's another camera that he could have been speaking to much more. So I yep. guess he really he liked that sort of cover girl over the shoulder angle. I, this this guy is a showman, like yeah. even he, for his he suicide tape. Uh, he says like, "There's nothing left for me to do, so I'm gonna kill myself." Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, he just doesn't want to get old. Basically, sheer boredom, yeah. dude. Yeah. Uh, so a woman tries to talk to Swan. She comes out. She says, Hey, you and I were high school sweethearts. Um, another lady runs up and was, is like, Hey lady, you're old enough to be his mom. But all these women kind of look the same age. I don't know if that's a seventies thing, but like the 60 year old lady looks pretty much like a 22 year old. 
Um, but she shows these these girls a locket, and you know, Swan looks exactly the same as he does now. Uh, Short, shorter hair. I think at this point we kind of cut back to his deal with the devil that he's making in the tub and the devil tells him, you know, this, the pic, this video will age, but you will not. Uh, but whenever this tape goes, so do you, uh, we also see Swan. He signs his blood contract at this point. It's similar to the contract he had, uh, Winslow sign. And you meant, did you mention that the devil is taking his appearance? Well, I thought it, I thought he was saying like the image on the videotape was going to age, but he won it. Right. Right. Oh, I just meant that like the devil appears to him as his own reflection. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, yeah. so he's basically talking to himself, which I thought was a cool touch. Yeah, he's talking to the himself in the mirror, and then the devil version of him gets like a red overcast light. Yeah. Uh, Swan, we, we get to see like a consecutive thing where Swan signs his blood contract. Then we get a little reminder that Will, Winslow also did that. And then Phoenix, we see a scene where she also signs a blood contract. So... All three of these characters are now linked together. Uh, so we're getting to the end of this thing, and we're the last fifteen to twenty minutes of this movie are pretty bonkers, and you know there's a lot that happens. So um, Winslow sees a hitman setting up to to shoot someone at at the big second night of the paradise. Um. Phoenix basically comes out onto stage. There's like all these women dressed as black swans dancing around. Phoenix comes out flapping her arms like a chicken woman. Yep. Little rest of development. (laughs) (laughs) Just fill in your favorite one from watching the series 15 times in a row. Uh... It's got to be Lucille's, I think. I think hers is... Hers, her little dainty. Well, I think Lucille does a coo Yeah, but the way she like does the... Yeah. And then Lindsay does like cha, chi-cha, chi-cha. Right. She's like kind of flapping her hand up. Yeah, she does the big kicks, right? Yeah, big she's kicks the, and yeah. she's got the head thing. Ugh. <laughs> Uh, so Winslow sees this guy preparing a gun. Phoenix comes out on stage flapping like a bird. Uh, Swan basically comes up from stage bottom, like kind of on a riser and he's got a silver mask on at this point. Um, there's a lot of 1970s bullshit going on here where, like, the audience is freaking out. There's, like, a drum circle thing going on. Um, the hitman takes aim. There's a whole, like, swan and phoenix wedding scene happening with yeah. the <laughs> Philbins in a Pope hat. 
like marrying them. Rolling Stone did uh, say that they were getting married. That's what the uh, shot of Rolling Stone magazine was. Okay. Uh, Winslow steps in. He kind of pushes the barrel of the gun. So whenever the hitman shoots, it hits Philbin. Cool. Uh, Winslow swings in on a rope and rips off Swan's mask. And we now see that he's just basically, he looks like his face is melting off. Yeah. Uh, Swan starts screaming at Phoenix, your voice, you promised me your voice, remember? Winslow stabs a now mortal Swan, I guess, because he burned up the tape. Yeah. Uh, both Swan and Winslow die. And then Phoenix at this point remembers who Winslow was and kind of cries over him. And we get a final song from Paul Williams, which is the hell of it, which might be my like third or fourth favorite song on this thing. And there it is. That's the Phantom of the Paradise. Guys, final thoughts on Phantom. It was a lot more fun than I thought it would be. I enjoyed this flick. Yeah. If that tells you anything. You know, I always think uh, you get with De Palma, a lot of movies that do a lot of different things. I don't know if I've ever seen him kind of repeat what he's doing from film to film. It's he'll kind of take elements back and forth, like split screens or diopter shots or something, but it's all kind of like, it's always its own unique thing. You know, Scarface is completely different from this. These are completely different from raising Kane. It's just kind of a, some of them really hit and some of them don't, but I'm glad we watched this one. I thoroughly enjoyed it as well. Yeah. It it feels strangely relaxed mm-hmm. for a musical. You think it'd be very you'd need to be very specific. Um Yeah, but it I think we talked about earlier that it has this like weird Willy Wonka sort of feel to it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. which is kind of goofy and it handles dark subject matter, I think in a really fun way. I can absolutely see why this is a cult movie. Mm-hmm. I'm actually kind of shocked. It's not a larger cult movie, you know, up there with Rocky. Mm-hmm. So Dan, you want to hit us with some facts? Uh, released November 1st, 1974. Mr. De Palma wanted to film this in the 1960s, but I guess he um, didn't get his way until 74 there. Um, 1.3 million, I think we discussed that already. <clears throat> De Palma wanted uh, the Shananas to play uh, the Juicy Fruits, but I, apparently they were difficult to work with, so he... Uh, Pretty much fired him. It was a flop in the United States, but very successful in Canada. I think Cron mentioned that last week, that it played for almost a year, I think, Mm -hmm. in some parts of Canada. 
such great taste up there. Mm-hmm. They like phantom and bean water. <laughs> um, Swan was uh, pretty much written after Phil Spector. I kind of made some jokes on that uh, in the original screenplay, but they changed the name, I guess. He originally wanted to call him Spector, but they changed it to Swan. Um, going back to the bird theme, uh, Led Zeppelin did sue over this film along with some other companies for Swan Song. I guess that was about the same time that that was Zeppelin Four was coming out, I believe. So that's why it was delayed for until November to get through the lawsuits, I believe. Um, and this is Nicholas Cage's favorite defense. Palma film. And he likes uh, he likes this better than Snake Eyes, the De Palma film that he's in. He says that he <laughs> says Phantom of the Paradise is his favorite De Palma film. Cage is classy though. The one I did sucks, but make sure to watch Phantom of the Paradise. So, and that's really all I found. I mean, nothing too crazy. I did try, um, I tried to track down, I don't think it's available even to rent anywhere, but there is a documentary called The Phantom of Winnipeg, which is like the biggest cult following for this is in Winnipeg, Canada. Right. Yeah, they do have a festival, I believe, called uh, Phantom... Phantom Palooza? Palooza, yeah. Yeah. But there is a documentary out there where they kind of go through how Winnipeg has essentially kept this movie alive since it was released. So, I uh, I did I did scrub around a uh, YouTube video of Edgar Wright doing a panel that had Paul Williams and a few other people. It had the guy who played Beef, um, and Phoenix, and then a few of the. Um, what was that? Whatever the band was, the Beach Bums or whatever, like two of those guys. And Paul mm-hmm. Williams talked a little bit about the Daft Punk influence and being on that record because of it. The one thing I remember, um, he discussed that originally in the script, like because I guess they were making a lot of changes as they were shooting. Originally, Beef dies in the shower scene. Mm. And then they changed it up, I think, to have him survive and and move later. So he went on a lot about like how De Palma was willing to to switch things up, depending on how they were, you know, how shit was coming together. So mm-hmm. there just wasn't great audio and great video of the panel. You could tell it was somebody just holding it, like holding up their phone. So. But it made sense that Edgar Wright was a fan of this movie. Well, I will say, I I don't know what company first, I don't know if it was Shout Factory or what, but whoever did the HD transfer of this, like, I watched it on Amazon, but I thought it looked great. Like, this looked not bad for, like, a low-budget independent film from the 70s, you know? Mm -hmm. It's amazing what putting something on film low budget will look like compared to digital low budget. Mm-hmm. 
Cool. Hell yeah. Well, are we ready to uh, rate my letterbox? You mean? Yeah. Rate my letterbox. Right. Yeah, yeah, rate it. Wait, oh, the French champagne. Can we ask, uh, hey, let's ask this director. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mr. Hey, uh, De Palma. Yeah, De Palma, yeah. We uh we discussed uh a new feature. Scarface? Yeah. A new a new connection, a way to a way to make rate my letterboxed really count. Oh. So uh I've been listening to you guys' podcast. You haven't covered enough of my fucking movies yet, but uh I've I think been, I've been trying. We're taking Mr. our time. <laughs> I've been We're taking trying. time. I think you'll get there. Don't say f- fucking sign here, right? Uh so what we're going to do is rate my letterbox is actually going to fucking mean something here instead of just some lousy, stupid fucking segment that you guys do. So uh, if you get within, what, 0.5, you get the 0.5, right? That's right. And if you get it correct, you get a full point. Mm-hmm. That's for each guest by uh, the other co-hosts. Mm-hmm. So you could potentially get two points. Yes, and that's going to determine who's going to get to go first on the rewind shows. Oh, okay. So we'll keep like a running tally. Yeah. Oh, all right. So, uh, so you could put a whole point towards Phantom of the Paradise, you know, and make it the number one movie instead of that fucking Canadian piece of shit rad. Uh. Mr. De Palma. Yeah. Did for Phantom, was that a union shoot? Listen, I love Canada because they love Phantom of the Paradise. Thank you very much. Sign here. Well, I, I mean, oh, so you kind of yeah, you kind of dodged the question. <laughs> you kind of dodged that union question pretty. I mean, dodge implies you got even close to it. <laughs> I mean, you Yeah, I I asked you I asked you if this was a union shoot, and you told me how much you loved Canada. Hey, you guys like gangsters? Oh, we're on to another subject now. Yeah. I do like you like? Do you like yeah. Kevin Costner? Yeah. Okay. Like Untouchables. That. Sign here. <laughs> Mr. How De much pa- are you paying me for this, Mr. De Palma? Do you want to go first with this week's rate my letterbox? All right, guys. All right. If it was me, since I directed this film, I would give it a five fucking stars. But I know you guys haven't even, or probably will never reach that fucking stratosphere. You know what I'm saying? All right. So, uh, rate my letterbox. I'm going Cron Howard. I'm going to 3.0 here. Uh, Bones, I think I'm going with the 3.0 as well. Bones? Yep. Uh, Dan, I'm going to give you a 3.0. Cron, 3.5. I'm going to give... I'm going to say Bones, 
Dan. Yeah, I think I'm going to say three as well. Am I exposing myself first? Yes, please. Gentlemen. I was a 2.5. Wow. Wow. On, mon- on Monday night. Mm-hmm. I watched it again. And I think I refell in love with my fucking self. So I'm going 3.0. Okay. Okay. I gave it a 3.0 upon first viewing. And then after listening to the soundtrack 10 fucking times, I think that deserves to bump it up. I'm going with a 3.5. Nice. Uh, I'll say my first viewing of this, I was leaning towards a four, guys. But I rewatched it. That didn't necessarily bring it down, but I also had to compare... In, in my heart, the De Palma oeuvre overall. And I think I landed on a 3.5. This is an entertaining movie, but we're going to get into more De Palma later. We'll get there. <laughs> Don't worry, listener. I love this podcast. So I All think right. I... I think I got two. Bones got two. Yeah, Dan got within a point five, so he gets a one. Tear about my yeah. game. I think getting within the point five is is still fine. I mean, it'd be interesting to see if to go back. I mean, last week in full contact. The only one that I got correct was Dan's. Or that was the only one that was correct at all. But I'm pretty sure we were all within a point five, so So we'll keep a tally. Alright, let's do uh a little refresh here. Uh <clears throat> all right, so let's just run through the entire list right now because uh we haven't done that in a bit. So, first place is still Rad with a 3.68. Yeah. Second place, Slumber Party Massacre with a 3.37. Third, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with a 3.33. Actually, right now, Tide would be Phantom of the Paradise with a 3.33. Death Wish 2, 3.2. Strangeland would be sixth place. So, Bones, we have successfully knocked Strangeland out of the top five. That is it's never my intent on any of these. On the review show, it, it absolutely was my intent to lower it. But uh, So it'd be at number six with a three. Number seven, Black Dog with a 2.85. Eight, Twice Dead with a 2.83. The Hunger... At 9, 2.68. Savage Streets at 10, 2.67. 11, Convoy, 2.52. Full Contact at 12, 2.5. 
Deep Rising at 13, 2.37. Army of the Dead at 14, 2.17. No Holds Barred, 15, 1.97. Robot Jocks at 16, 1.9. Maximum Overdrive at 17, 1.85. MXP at number 18, 1.53. Monster Dog at 19, 1.52. So just to reiterate, where did uh, Phantom end up? So Phantom at the Paradise right now would be tied for third place with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at 3.33. All right. So we really just need to decide, do we want to move up Phantom of the Paradise or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Uh, This is a no-brainer for me. I'm adding a fraction of a point. To Phantom of the Paradise, I am. Uh, I'm with you in that it's a it's a no brainer, but mine is with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Dan, Dan, between the so Turtles much. and the Phantom, just like the uh, juicy fruits, were all nostalgia, and nostalgia for me would be. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Wow. All right. So Rad, Slumber Party, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Phantom of the Paradise, and Death Wish 3. That's our top five. Crown I'm fine with that. in the top five? <laughs> Got three picks in the top five, Crown? Uh, let's yep. see. Yeah, that's right. I got three out of the top five. Okay. Rad is still number one, though. So, well, you got damn right. I mean, he did pick Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's Ace just, up a sleeve. I, I think basically, uh, I'm gonna I pick the, Terminator Two next week. I got the bottom three of the top five. I'm going There Will Be Blood this week, guys. I think uh, me and Bones might be teaming up to, uh, you know, change this uh, on a review or the rewind. I like being all over the map. I like having a monkey movie second from the bottom. I like having a titty slasher. And spot number two, I, I do work for the cast, all right? He's a union guy. You know it. I mean, really, if we want to think of it this way, if we just expand it to top six, which six would be Strangeland, I got four of the top six. Yeah, it's very aggravating. (laughs) I think I'm going to start paying attention. I think I'm just always, like, whatever Strangeland moves up or down to, I'll just constantly reference, like, the top six, the top nine. But here's the other thing, too. Is he weighing down our our scores? Is he padding his with a with a extra point every every week and then bringing ours down? You know? What, does what he, did he give? Does he in his heart know that Deep Rising is at least a 3.0? But he it just is, tanked it. It is deep, not. Deep Rising, I think, is Karan's lowest rating for a film. Yes. And that hurts me more 
than your rating of MXP, I think. <laughs> I'd rather watch MXP any day than Deep Rising. Well, there weren't then, enough there weren't enough chimps in Deep Rising, dude. That's something we'll get into on the rewind number two. Treat Williams, bro. Yeah, I'm just gonna. Well, I, in two years, I'm gonna have Deep Rising up just by to a, to a five star. Just film. throwing fucking points in it every re- rewind. Mm-hmm. Maybe number one. Yeah. Well, that was uh, that was revenge. Three solid yeah. flicks, I think. Mm-hmm. An exciting it, new deep rising waters for us after after this break. Whenever Dan will reveal mm-hmm. our next theme. Yeah, we'll be getting into some strange land territory with a new category. <laughs> Guys, I did want to say, um, do we want to play Mary Fuck Kill with this category? Hey, I'll play. I'll play Mary Fuck Kill. All right, go first, Buns. Mary Fuck Kill, um, Savage Streets, Full Contact, Phantom of the Paradise. I'm killing Full Contact. Damn it. Um. I'm marrying the Phantom. And you know I'm fucking Savage Streets. Kron? It's the exact same. I mean, really? I'm going I'm to marry the Phantom because, you know, just want to live with that De Palma masterpiece forever. Yeah, you get that. Uh, of, of course fucking Savage Streets, dude. That's all the movie is about is fucking. Woo! All I the, think I... All the worst parts of it. I think I'm going the same, yeah, because Linda Blair is mighty good looking. And yeah. Yeah. Full contact was really a... God damn, that was a letdown. It tried. It tried, but it didn't That's some cool shit, yeah. Just too many goddamn dance breaks. Mm-hmm. Speaking of breaks, let's break it off here. Kyle, bring us home. Uh, this was Phantom of the Paradise from 1974, directed by Brian De Palma. We loved it. We're De Palma heads. Signia. Uh, and make sure to come on back for the after showers discussion. Crash and burn. Crash and burn. Love you guys. Crash and burn. Why don't you tell us who you'd fuck, marry, kill? Send us an email at 5dayrentalspodcast at gmail.com or find us on the Letterboxd app at 5dayrentals.
Can you just do anything? No, it's a, sorry, cut. You're rolling. 102, take two. Ah, the French champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. There is a California champagne by Paul Masson, inspired by that same French excellence. It's fermented in the bottle, and like the best French champagne, it's vintage dated. So, Paul Masson. All right. Well, that was Phantom of the Paradise. Uh, and now we'll, I hope everybody's all squeaky clean after their shower. Yeah. My hair's still wet, but... Well, I I see that you've you've got a three-piece suit on, though. Oh, yeah. Don't we all? I always do. We're all looking great. I sleep naked. I podcast classy. <laughs> uh, so now it's time for the after-shower segment where... Dan is going to let us know what the next category is and also the first movie we'll be watching for that category. Gentlemen, I have pulled up random.org. Oh, you're going to randomize your own number? I mean, do I have to? Seems just seems suspect. I think you're kind of knocking. Yeah. That, that seemed, well, it was kind of our tech guy. So yeah. It kind of almost seems like you're trying to take a job away from a union worker. <laughs> I mean, Kyle Cron Howard, 22 and 28 are off the books. So, Dan, if you want to do 21 through 30, please. I'm going to random.org. Okay. Okay. Have we discussed the complicated way which how we or in which we select these? I mean, each, or do we not give a each, shit? Each host has ten categories. Or ten categories. We have designated Cron one through ten, ten. right? Yeah, yeah, one through ten. Bones, Bones. is a eleven through 20. 20. 20. and then I am twenty-one through thirty. But two of my categories have already been picked here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, twenty-two and twenty-eight. Well, and so. I just punched up the numbers and Dan yes the number is 29 oh my god gentlemen 29 I would like to welcome you guys to the category of detectives Ooh. and my first pick is coming from 1988 and it is a little movie called Amsterdamed. And it is available on Tubi. Is that apostrophe D or E-D? That is A-M-S-T-E-R-D-A-M-N-E-D. Amsterdamed. Oh, I get it. Badass. Oh, the Amsterdam wine. <laughs> so, um, hopefully, you guys can take that and we can get some good picks out of that. 
anything specific to this category? Is it's just involves a detective? I will say it can involve a detective or a private eye or anything along that lines. I mean, a private eye I'll allow as as well. You know, a private dick. Yeah, a dick. A big old private dick. Man, I'm I'm thinking of a movie right now. Are you thinking of a movie, Cron, from 1982? Because that was the second choice. I'm thinking of a movie that I know, what you're that I know Dan and I have both watched. I know what you're thinking of. Because if you look up the year of that movie, it's 1982. Because <laughs> I have it written down. I'm... I'm I'm going to do some research before next record but I'm telling you my gut is is telling me where I should go with this. I will not be mad, my brother. I, I will not be mad. I would love I've been looking to rewatch it since I saw it. <laughs> but yes, that is Amsterdam is a detective film. Mixed with a little bit of a slasher, I believe. So, And it does bring up a theme that was brought up in full contact that I think you guys will all recognize whenever we do indulge in this movie. So, Bringing it back, bitches. As there, bones. Are you saying there's a pizza in here? <laughs> well, no, I'm to full saying... contact, so it's foreign. Oh, oh, I thought there was just a recurring theme. No, uh, it was something that was brought up during the episode of Full Contact. It has a little something to do with the boat. This a boat movie? Well, it's in Amsterdam, so there's canals and shit, right? Yeah. And marijuana and hookers. Yeah. Boat seems like the least interesting thing going on (laughs) in Amsterdam. Yeah, I'll admit that I'm immediately trying to figure out what the fuck you guys were talking about. Oh, there's... Oh, don't get it up, This is the first thing that popped into my head. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'll just wait a week. That was my first choice, and then I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't choose that, because I know maybe Kron will pick up on this category, and we can sneak that in there as well. I'm thinking we will. But this would be our second film from 1988. I believe Twice Dead was from 1988 as well. My pick as well. So I'm living in 88, boys. Cool. Yeah, you're getting even. I mean, we got into a whole discussion about the decades we're picking, how we're leaning heavily 80s, but Dan is even getting more specific into one year. One year. Yeah. That might be the greatest year in film history. Who knows? I do have. Yeah, there is another 1988 on here. I did a lot of research this week, guys. It has been, whew, I've been on some internet searches, I'll tell you that. But detectives is our new category. Oh, man. And uh, do your damage, gentlemen. I got, an 88. I got an 88 in the chamber. 
Oh, uh, yeah? I do. I wonder if I can... Uh, Push that in? Squeeze it in. Yeah, it is the number one, like, if I can squeeze this in, I'm going to move it. So, Which I was really hoping that that this would be the category they got, that chose, they got picked. That's cool. That's that's crazy. I'm, I'm thankful to be in this position again. I like being third dead last yeah because you can kind of even if the movie sucks it's just nice to know like you picked this movie cron picked this movie so let me try to find something that yeah i do like that position as well because you're like all right he did kind of that that might be the same as kind of mine let me let me see what else i can find guys i also just realized i have an 88 in my stack of cards (laughs) telling you this might be like a, a 2006. Maybe it might be the greatest year of the, the 80s. Join us next week for Welcome to 1988, our new podcast. <laughs> Which it says it's available on Tubi, but I have not physically checked. So <laughs> hopefully I don't got to fucking download Fandor again. I, I think our free week is up, Dan. I mean, if we have to go back to Fandor, it's going to cost us three ninety nine. We're paying money at this point. <laughs> Let me check it. All right, I kind of already know where I'm going to go with this one, so I know where Kron's going. So not much guesswork like there was with Revenge. I'd say dude, that third cat, that third pick though is is a tough one, and don't, it's a nice one as well. Don't you mm-hmm. guys have Shutter? Not anymore. No, I got, okay. got rid of it. Okay. Well, this is this is on Shutter. If you wanted to stream it on Shutter, it's Weird. not on. It's not on Tubi. It's on Tubi for free, but it's in HD on uh, Shutter. Oh, we're SD guys on five day rentals. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I only pick standard edition films. <laughs> yeah. I don't want you to see shit. Because you'll see that it's shit. It's going to be a monster dog all over again. I don't know. You know. If this is Dutch, t- it's going to be kind of classy. Going to be respectful. Wait. I'm going to Amsterdam is in the Netherlands, which is the Dutch. Denmark. Right. Denmark is the Danes. Right. Yes. Okay. Be like Millhouse's dad. <laughs> That's a deep pull, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think you could do a lot with detectives. I mean, how do you guys feel about that uh, oh, category? I think it's a great category. Like I said, I already know where I want to go with this, so <laughs> I'm I'm locked and loaded, dude. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah, dude. I can totally I can totally squeeze this movie in. It works. Are we gonna have two nineteen eighty picks? We might. I don't know. We'll see. I might All adjust right. based on once we Kron reveals it, but Well, if that's the case, we'll if see. you're eighty eight and I'm eighty eight and Kron is nineteen eighty two, then we're all eighties on this category. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Fucking detectives in the eighties are way better than detectives in the nineties, right? Don't have to follow as many rules. Yeah. Actually, on this subject, have you guys heard of that movie? I think it's on Stars now, but it's uh, the Kid Detective. I have heard about it. I think it just popped up on another. Um, no, you're right. I do have stars. I keep forgetting yeah. that I have stars. Yeah. I got, got rid of Adam Brody or something. Yeah. I got rid of stars. And like, as soon as I got rid of it, that movie popped up and that was a movie from last year that I was like, God, I really want to see that movie. Mm-hmm. So I might get it again for like a month. I tried to cancel stars and they were, they basically said, wait, wait, don't go. How does 99 cents a month sound for like six months? I was like, all right, fine. Yeah. That's not a bad deal. Yeah. The thing though is like detective allows you to go back. You can kind of go into exploitation mm-hmm. like pulpy. Yeah. So I'm, I may, I may reserve until I know what Kyle's picking, but I'm excited. I'm excited. It's a good category. Good job, Dan. Dan. What? I'm not fully committing yet, but you should. I'm just saying the movie that you and I are talking about, go take off your letterbox score. (laughs) All right. Hold on. Ah, shit. Let me see if I can get to it real quick. No. Bones. (laughs) Come on, Bones. Just wait, dude. It'll be worth the wait. It's just a week. Ah, It would be totally worth it whenever you actually see the film. Mm Mm-hmm. Goddamn, when was that? What? I don't want to tell you the date, because... Okay, (laughs) I gotcha, I gotcha. When was it? No. <laughs> I might have fucking passed it, honestly. People just don't like to be left out. You're, you'll are you be included one week from now. <laughs> it's a week too late. <laughs> I'm going to go through every movie of 1982. All right, cool. Before we get into too much dead air, let's wrap this after shower show up. So uh, come back next week. First round of Detective. We'll be watching 1988's Amsterdam. You can get that on Tubi. Watch along with us. Yeah. So for Kron and (laughs) anti-union... Laundry owner Dan. All my employees are union. At the laundromat? Yeah. Yeah, I highly doubt that. Oh, does that explain like your jadedness towards it? (laughs) Like you're just so like they could be so much more productive in your eyes if I'm never gonna win on this podcast. I mean I got the number one movie. That's 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 what it is. Yeah. That's why I don't ever want the number one movie. And I got yeah. the You guys already gang up on movie. me enough that my fragile ego could handle. That that number one movie really puts a target on your back. So. Yeah. And I the worst that, movie, too. 
the yeah. worst movie is actually working out because it's one of the most highly downloaded episodes we have. So it's working. That's well, because it's so niche. Nobody else has ever dared recorded cover a it. monster yeah. dog. Also, I feel like our podcast episode covering Monster Dog was like capturing lightning in a bottle. You know, it's... You're welcome. We were firing on all cylinders with our Joss material and... I mean, I just got one question for you guys. Dead on to Dead on De Palma for me, or... Dead yeah, on that's, De- that's pretty close. I watched the De Palma doc and... Yeah, you, you pretty much nailed it. Yeah, I could... I'm, I don't believe it. I have no idea what he sounds like, but you've you've replaced him. I think the imp- the impressions go uh Bones is Jesse the body. Dan's De Palma. Mm-hmm. My Pesci. I was going to say your screech. Oh. I do do a good screech. Despite rejecting the fact what his catchphrase is. <laughs> I think it's yoinkers. It's I told you it's zoinks, and you still, you know, waka waka, <laughs> yoinkers. <laughs> I'm dead. Can I hear you? I was can trying I... to end the goddamn show. <laughs> I was gonna say, can you end the podcast with your pesci? <laughs> uh, sure. Uh. You're a funny guy, aren't you, Kron? Real I'm, funny. How am I funny? I'm funny how? That's spot on. It's almost Scorsese. <laughs> Thanks so, for listening to the pod. Yeah, so put that in your... I'm Joe Pesci. <laughs> Crash and burn. Crash and burn. Crash and burn. Ah, the French champagne.